Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, Jets fans, and welcome to the Jets podcast preview show on 247sports.com. As we get ready to talk about the upcoming game this Sunday, week six, the two and three New York Jets are going to host the Indianapolis Colts, who are one and four at MetLife Stadium, along with Rick Lockland and Michael Cohen. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. As we get ready once again, Jets, Colts, as we prepare for this big week, week six. Very important stuff, gentlemen, and we'll go with... Uh, we will go with Rick Lachlan first. And Rick, the New York Jets getting that huge win over the Denver Broncos in week five, 34-16. Maybe more if Marcus May didn't sputter at the goal line, got tackled at the one-yard line, but on that 104-yard interception return. But still, though, Rick, this is a game where the New York Jets, they must come out of the gate on point. They must have a fabulous start. They must go all out to make sure that, once again, this win over Denver was not a mirage. And, you know, there's no surprise that as the Jets' running game goes, that's how the Jet offense tends to take off. I mean, Sam Darnold, look, he can't do it all on his own. He was uh, really precise with the short intermediate throws, but whether it was a product of Jeremy Bates not taking the training wheels off the offense, whether it was Todd Bowles trying to protect his defense by playing a more conservative style, whatever the case may be, the formula the Jets used last week against the Denver Broncos in week one against the Detroit Lions, and I know you have to be game plan specific depending on the opponent you're going against, but the Jets have to, have to, have to, give the ball to Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell and create some running lanes so that this team is not one-dimensional and they're not getting themselves in third and long situations where it's going to be a predictable eight-yard completion on a third and ten and the Jets are going to punt the ball. And the fact that they were feeding Robbie Anderson the ball on some deep passes, they tried the week before against the Jacksonville Jaguars, nearly missed on a, on a wheel route to Bilal Powell. You had Anderson on a couple deep routes where he was overthrown, even uh, Quincy Anunua, who had one go in and out of his grasp. Well, it looks like Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson are getting on the same page, and that's good news for Jet fans, and it's good news for Sam Darnold's confidence because I think there was a question whether Darnold could actually make these type of throws and whether he was going to be the next version of Chad Pennington where he's going to basically be throwing the ball from 20 yards and under, uh, whereas he is a strong-arm quarterback. You know, he doesn't have a cannon for arm. He's not Aaron Rodgers, but he can make some big plays down the field. And I expect, and if you're a Jet fan, you'd at least hope that they continue with a balanced attack offensively and not be gun-shy to test the ball downfield because this is a very uh, beatable Colts team that is injured. They're banged up heading into the week, and the defense isn't exactly anything to write home about. So uh, I've been wrong on my predictions throughout the year, but I have a good feeling the Jets will come out on top in this one. Well, Michael, you know, I know how much you like to talk about the quarterback situation for the New York Jets, and so far, mm-hmm. five games in, how do you think Sam Darnold has been uh, handling the NFL? And, of course, at the same time, uh, what's your opinions about what Jeremy Bates has done to get him to 
play in the big boy league that is the National Football League. Well, I, th- I thought he's done okay so far. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's an MVP ca- caliber quarterback right now. Um, he's played well. I mean, I thought they've they've really restricted him the first five weeks of the season. You know, he, pl- he played a solid game against Detroit, but after that, they just decided to not just put training wheels on him, but they decided to put uh, to put full leg braces on him in that game because they, they in, in the next three games because they just prevented him from doing anything productive offensively. And you, you combine that with a poor offensive line, a running game that hadn't gotten hadn't really gotten moving until last week, and you could see the frustration growing on him. Now, a big part of that is being a quarterback in the NFL for the first time and having to play, you know, three games in eleven days. I mean, that is just really difficult for anybody, especially a twenty-one year old kid. I thought he handled it well coming coming out of it, and what we saw last week, I hope we see more of moving on because they need to open up the playbook. We're playing in the NFL now where teams are wide open with their offenses. Quarterbacks are throwing football at a record pace. We're seeing teams now not afraid to throw the football 45, 50, even 55 to 60 times a game now. I'm not saying the Jets have to now, uh, that Sam Darnold has to throw 60 passes this week, uh, but you, the point is it's all about the quarterback more than it's ever been before. And with all these eased-up rules on defenses, the Jets really have to take advantage of it if they're going to have a chance to win these games. I thought last week was a step in the right direction. I hope that Jeremy Bates and company keep it going. I don't think going into a show this week against the Colts defense that's 23rd in, de- in total defense, and I believe they're like 24th in pass defense in the NFL, is going to be productive. They have to continue to open things up this week. Yeah, I agree with you there, Michael. They have to really open up things this week because, Rick, the truth is is this. The Colts are 1-4. and four. Obviously, Frank Reich, the brand-new head coach for Indianapolis, of course, everyone thought uh, somebody was going to be leaving New England to join up but decided uh, he got suckered back into New England. But that's how I, saw it. I, that's how I see it. Uh, that, offensive coordinator, that offensive coordinator will remain nameless. But still, though, um, under Frank Reich right now, the Colts, the Colts really – have been not good at all. T.Y. Hilton is injured, obviously. Um, their tight end is injured, obviously. Right now, it's just been a big mess to start this season, even though Andrew Luck is back from that long hiatus of being injured. And, you know, injury is the key for the Indianapolis Colts. They have nine players that are listed on the injury report, either questionable or or out, and you alluded to it, T.Y. Hilton, their home run hitter, the tight end Eric Ebron, he has a, a shin, he's listed as having a shin, quadriceps, ankle, and knee injury. So, I mean, if that doesn't tell the whole story of just how banged up this Colts team is, I don't know what does. And for Andrew Luck, you know, Michael Cohen wrote a fascinating article about how the Jets can't let Sam Darnold end up like Andrew Luck, and it's nothing to Luck's, uh, you know, deserves blame for it's really the front office and the pieces they've surrounded him with is that he's gotten battered and bruised behind a subpar offensive line they haven't dedicated any resources or free agents or anybody to trying to surround him with a good running game and he has basically a one-trick pony in T.Y. Hilton that's going to try to run as fast as possible down the field to get behind the defense and that's been really the Colts' offense for the past five or six years. And with Luck coming off that serious injury, missing all of last year, it already came out that you know the injury was aggravated when he was snowboarding, which now he's given up, thankfully, if you're a Colts fan. But if you're the Jets, I mean, this is a, a very winnable game, a game at, at home where right now this is two 
straight home games. Their third will come next Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. And, Daniel, you and I talked about this, We uh, and I still feel this way. If Todd Bowles is able to win two out of these three games, with this being the most winnable on the schedule, you know, with Minnesota lurking next week, I think he's going to at least buy himself some more time, at least to probably week eight or ten of the season, before you're going to start hearing Jet fans whining and complaining about uh, firing him. So this, to me, is a pivotal game in trying to stabilize the season, develop some level of consistency on the offensive side of the ball and silence some of those critics that want Todd Bowles to be fired. And ultimately, again, we're going to see how the season plays out. That may be the best thing that would happen for this Jet franchise is to make a change at head coach, uh, just given Bob Todd Bowles' track record over the last two-plus seasons. But in my mind, uh, this is a game I think the Jets have the edge. I think the Colts are beaten down and broken down. And as long as they're able to get to Andrew Luck, shut down the Colts' running game, I think it could be a relatively low-scoring game. And as long as Sam Darnold continues to play mistake-free football or close to it like he has the past two weeks, I like the Jets' chances in this contest. And, Michael, we did talk off the air maybe about a week ago that, you know, these are the biggest three-game homestand right now for this 2018 season for the Jets, including Todd Bowles, because this this would be the three-game homestand that will either put him – out of the team, or keep him on the team to be this head coach for the Jets, because I think we've already said this. If they go two and three, he'll probably stay, and the Jets are in a good position. If they go all three, it's more than what we can ask for, but one and two or oh and three, that at, you know, whether he gets fired at the middle of the season or at the end of the season, these three home games are crucial for Todd Bowles. We talked about this off the air. I know that. Uh, well, I think every game is crucial for Todd Balls. I don't know if it's just restricted to three games at home in the in the middle of October, but um, I, I'll say this: I mean this this is a, this is a very tricky spot for the Jets to be in because yes, the Colts have a number of injury, key injuries uh, to their to their team. T. Y. Hilton uh, listed as out. You got questionable Eric Ebron, as Rick just mentioned. But you know the Jets go into this game; they're not healthy either. I mean Buster Screen is 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 out. Tremaine Johnson is out. Marcus May is listed as questionable with an ankle injury. It probably explains why he didn't score a touchdown last week. Probably pulled something on the way, on the way, all the way down the field for 103 yard return. So they got guys in the secondary that are beaten up. Uh, that's a problem going into this game because Andrew Luck and look, I know that we've been questioning his health, and it's been kind of a slow process for him to get back uh, moving in the right direction again. The guy's been a lot lighting up the last two weeks. I mean, you look at his numbers, 829 yards in the last two games, seven touchdowns. Now, yes, that's with a healthy T.Y. Hilton and a healthy Eric Ebron in the lineup. But still, this is a game where the Jets have to get a lot of pressure, in my mind, on on, uh, on Andrew Luck, and they can't relent on the pressure at all. they got to hit him, even if it's not a sack. Just do what the – kind of what the Eagles did to Eli Manning last night. Just smack him around, keep pressure on him, keep getting a hand on him so that he keeps thinking about it. That's the only way that you can beat the Colts in this game because if if Andrew Luck has the football at the end of the football game with a chance to win it, and I know the Colts have been in this spot a couple of times this year and haven't done it, thought to be in, especially with the Jets with a banged-up secondary. But as far as Bowles is concerned, a win this week would go a long way to calming down the waters. I don't know if it, it satisfies all the fans. I mean, the Jets could go out there next week and get blown out 55 to nothing by the Vikings next week, and here we go again. So it's really a week-by-week thing with Bowles. We won't have a full evaluation until around this time in two months in December. 
And I agree with you there, Michael. I mean, we'll find out what's going to happen, see what the Jets will do at the end of this year. But so far, Rick, I think we can all agree that, you know, if the Jets can go at least right now 3-3, three and three, if they can go just at 500, I think at the moment it's another positive step. What they do at the end of this three-game homestand uh, will really be the focal point because at least you've got to go 3-3. Three and three. If they go 3-3 three and three right now, and either go four and three or three and four after the home game against Minnesota, maybe there's a strong chance that, okay, things are not as bad as we would hope for because this team, many thought we're going to go one and four playing against this Denver Broncos team last week, but obviously that didn't happen. And look, let's not forget last year's Jet team, of course, started 0 and 2, won three straight games, 3 and 2 after a win against the Jacksonville Jaguars in week five, and it looked like Todd Bowles could do no wrong for a Jet team that was expected, again, to win one or maybe two games during the 2017 season. Then, of course, we know what happened down the stretch. The Jets went 2 and 9. They lost Josh McCown as their starting quarterback. So I think win, lose, or draw in this game against the Indianapolis Colts. I think Michael is right. I mean, it's not like Todd Bowles is winning over this fan base and all of a sudden he's going to be back in their good graces because another lopsided loss to the Minnesota Vikings will reset that needle right back to that position where the panic uh, the panic meter is going up. So in my mind, again, it's a winnable game. It's a game against a team with Andrew Luck that, frankly, I, I'm very high on uh, Frank Wright. I think he's going to be a fantastic coach. I think more of their issues have to do with personnel and keeping their players on the field and healthy. Um, and Eric Ebron, who at the tight end position, I mean, coming out of college, he was regarded as one of the top players in the entire NFL draft that year. And look where his career has gone between injuries, uh, you know, being, of course, let go by the Detroit Lions. And now with the Indianapolis Colts, uh, he's, he's a player that really has had a disappointing first couple of years of his career. And I think the Colts had high hopes for him, and he has certainly not lived up to those lofty expectations but if you're a Jets secondary that Michael alluded to is depleted, you have issues with Buster Screen battling injuries, Marcus May being dinged up, even Jamal Adams appeared on the injury report this week. Uh, this is the kind of game that they have to lay down the hammer early. They have to get after the quarterback, set the tone, and we're going to see Casey Rogers, his illness was still not disclosed. It's pretty questionable, if not doubtful, that he's going to be on the sidelines. And I made the argument I think that's a good thing for the Jets because I, I thought I saw – many more second-half adjustments uh, on that second half against the Broncos than I did any other game so far this season. And maybe that's a product of Todd Bowles being more in tune with, with the game, calling the play, seeing the flow of the game, and being able to adjust on the fly as opposed to Casey Rogers that seems to have a game plan that he sticks to it even in the second half after teams have adjusted to what his game plan is, whether it's working or whether it's not. So if you're a Jet fan, look, you hope for Casey Rogers a speedy recovery, a full recovery, but as far as from a football standpoint, I think the Jets are in the best scenario with Todd Bowles calling the shots. But, of course, as the head coach, that's not the easiest thing in the world to do is to manage the whole team and also try to manage uh, play-by-play on the defensive side of the ball. And, Michael, going back on defense, obviously, Leonard Williams finally broke out against the Broncos. Two and a half sacks on Case Keenum to put him on his keister. And I've got to tell you right now, Michael, I think this is the, uh, this is the Leonard Williams, this is the big cat We've all been waiting to see finally breaking out. Obviously, he's had some great times at USC as well uh, on the uh, at the front seven in college. Uh, he's finally broken out. I, I think that this is a game where once again he's going to have to find a way to slice through that that defense, or should I say, uh, slice through that offensive line uh, 
mm-hmm. for uh, of Indianapolis to get to Andrew Luck. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I agree. Pressure, pressure, pressure. <laughs> make him uncomfortable. What? Mm-hmm. You say no, that, that, that I, disagree with, I haven't said anything yet. But um, yep. yeah, just to get <laughs> piggyback off your point, I mean, this is this is going to be uh, for Leonard Williams. I think he's in a situation now where he now knows he's the guy. The last few years, he's had to be kind of third in line behind guys like Sheldon Richardson and Muhammad Wilkerson. Was just kind of one of the other guys, and now he's finally the face of this defense. He's kind of grabbed the leadership role by the horns, sort of, uh, which is nice to see. And for the first, and unlike those other two guys, which were who were more focused about money or just their own personal well-being, yes, while I'm sure that Leonard Williams has all those thoughts in his own mind, he's right now all team first, and that's what you like to see here if you're the Jets. Uh, I, I just love the, the fact of the leadership that he has brought to this defensive unit uh, so far this year. Yeah, I agree with you there, Michael, because, you know, this oh is the God, thing we always wanted to see. Well, you know, we've been agreeing so far very well, you know, and uh, so I'd like to agree some more. So <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, the one thing that I think that has been a very complete surprise, and uh, Rick, you can probably agree with this as well, Andre Roberts. As a kickoff return or a punt returner, uh, either way, he has been a big surprise in special teams. Usually special teams, you hope and pray there's going to be some good runs. You hope and pray that, you know, they'll get something going. Uh, you know, you, you hope the kicking game and the punting game will be on point normally, uh, completing field goals and punting down the field, forcing the opposition to be backed up at their goal line. But you know, the punt return game, the kicking return game, Andre Roberts has been a complete surprise. And you got to give credit to the to the special teams coach for having him ready to go and just to see him nearly getting a second punt return for a touchdown against Denver. That's what I think also needs to be uh, helpful for the Jets in this game against the Colts. Yeah, and we all know how he broke out in week one against the Detroit Lions. Lacking. And ever since Mike Westhoff left as the special teams coordinator, you saw a deep dip in production from special teams, whether it was field position, pinning team, teams deep, or getting return yardage into plus territory. The Jets didn't check any off in that column. And by having Daryl Roberts, you know, he going back to the days of Chad Morton, Leon Washington. Well, I think Did he, lose uh, him? he disappeared. Uh, no, he loses himself sometimes fault, on the uh, – that, that's right. Blame me. Okay. Uh, he'll call back. But if you want question? to pick up the Andrew – the Andre Roberts, if you want to pick pick that back yeah. up. Uh, Andre Roberts has been absolutely fantastic on special teams for the Jets. Just pick yeah, that up. Yeah, he has. I mean, he's, he's, he's given them a lot of uh, firepower there on the, on the kick returns, punt returns. He's averaging 23 yards return on punts, 17 yards return on, on kickoffs. Uh, in, in a league now that, again – doesn't like to favor special teams too much anymore, especially in returns. Uh, he's been a nice uh, change of pace. In fact, Dan, uh, if if he does go old, go the distance this week, he will have more home runs in New York than other, another team that hit home runs this month. That's very true. Very true. And we have Rick Lachlan <laughs> back on live here on the Jets podcast preview <laughs> show. Yeah. I don't know how much you caught, but basically – the Jets' special teams extraordinaire, Brad Smith, going back to the days of Chad Morton, Leon Santana Moss. I mean, all these guys were dynamic in the special teams game. Yep. 
No, I, I agree with you, Rick. I think Rick Walkman Rick went the way of uh, – I think yeah, I think Rick I just think, went the way of Hal from 2001, folks. That's unfortunate. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Yeah. But, uh, we'll just wait for him to get back on if he can. Hopefully, Rick, if you hear me, we just lost you again. Uh, try and stay in one place if it's possible. Uh, but let's move on. As we already said, Andre Roberts has just been fantastic on special yeah. teams. Uh, as we continue on here talking about this game, uh, what's, Michael, what's all I can – yeah. Well, my next topic of discussion, of course, secondary. I mean, I think Jamal Adams had a, a very mm-hmm. good game. Jamal Adams against Broncos. I think he's had a few here and there. Obviously, during the three-game losing streak, uh, Jamal Adams has not been as dynamic as he has been since, of course, you know the Week One win in Detroit and the Week Five win against Denver. But I think he would also say himself that. He has to play better. I thought he did play better against Denver, but just like any young player who is just starting off, obviously we always talk about the sophomore slump no matter what Mm -hmm. sport it is. I think this is the one thing that Jamal Adams needs to do is to avoid another game of a sophomore slump because the Jets really need him to be dynamic in the secondary because he says he wants to be the captain of the defense or a captain of the defense of one of the captains on the team. Well, I know the whole thing about the whole new Jack city, um, Mm -hmm. you know, nickname for, uh, for the secondary and everything, but still though, uh, you know, you can't just say it and not bring it. I thought he needs to continue to bring it after this win over Denver. Are you saying that you got to walk? If you're going to walk the walk, if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. Are you quoting Jimmy Johnson, Dan Feuerstein? Better maybe he's quoting. Maybe he's uh, maybe he's quoting Rex Ryan. Maybe hey, I don't why know. Not? I'll take. I'll I'll quote Rex. Why not? But, but yeah, I mean, this is. Bit... Let's get a goddamn snack. Oh, did I say that on the air? I'm sorry. Yes, but, you um, did. Yeah, okay. I did. Uh, but as far as Jamal Adams is concerned, I mean, you know, he's. I'm really impressed with the way he's played this year. Now, last year, he he really, he irritated me from the standpoint that he was a lot of talk and his play was somewhat small in a lot of ways. You know, he he, he would give up the big play. Uh, he would get in the face of Cam Newton after he scored a touchdown, which was and then get and draw a per, uh, draw personal foul penalties when he didn't need to. So last year he kind of annoyed me in a lot of ways. This year I'm really impressed with the way he's played. He's been hard-hitting. He's been in on every play. Uh, of course, he had his first interception week one of his career. So I'm happy with the way he's played. He just has to keep it going. Of course, this is going to be a challenge this week, as we've already discussed, considering the Jets are banged up in the secondary. So uh, if he's going to be the leader of New Jack City, if that's what they want to call themselves, uh, this is the big week. This is a big week for Jamal Adams to be that leader. And, and, your, and Rick, in your mind, just to go back on the defense, of course, uh, Jamal Adams – uh, you know, calling the secondary, you know, New Jack City. Uh, were you in love when he started nicknaming his second, his defense, or at least his secondary? Because you know, uh, until you really prove yourselves, I just think that was a little bit premature. Yeah, and look, it's funny because I was actually in attendance at Sunday's uh, Broncos Jets game, and one of the guys next to me had that shirt that said New Jack City. I thought. How did they fans find a way of all of a sudden a player gives a secondary nickname and the next day they have T-shirts printed out and thousands of people are wearing it? And look, I mean, if the Jets live up to that reputation, all is good and well. You know, Jamal Adams is the kind of guy, 
I think of him similar to a Jose Reyes. He's very exuberant. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. He's going to be cocky, borderline arrogant. But you know what? If if the Jets are able to live up to that type and uh, you know live up to that reputation, then I don't have a problem with it. Because again, I think Jamal Adams. He even said when he first came into the Jets locker room that the team was lacking a swagger, that the team and culture was accepting losing. And he, coming from LSU, a winning college football program, uh, playing his high school playing days, going back there, he never liked losing. He was always a winner at every stage of his career. And, you know, he wants to bring that winning attitude. And so I I understand why it rubs people the wrong way. But, I mean, you look at over the course of – history of the NFL, you know, the Legion of Boom, the Steel Curtain, all these teams, of course, got nicknames based on their the merits and how they played. They didn't necessarily give themselves that nickname. But again, you know, if this if this is what the Jets secondary needs to get themselves pumped up, to get them, uh, you know, to play good football, I don't have a problem with it. But I can certainly see the flip side of that argument that, you know, what have they really accomplished so far in the NFL to be able to distinguish themselves as, quote unquote, New Jack City. But for me, I don't have as much of a problem with it because I do see a lot of promise from this defense. But, again, you don't even know who your head coach is going to be beyond this year, whether Todd Bowles is even going to be around. So I don't know whether the Jets do make a coaching change. They maybe target somebody that's more of an offensive mind, like a John Filippo or, a, you know, a Sean McVay type. Then the Jets may turn a lot of attention away from the defensive side of the ball. So it is premature. But, you know, Adams is a, a fiery player and a guy that's looked upon as a leader in that locker room. So if it helps rally his teammates, then I guess I'm all on board for it. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Michael, going back on the offense and uh, just going back to Isaiah Crowell for a second here. Uh, so far, mm-hmm. five games, five touchdowns, um, 390 rushing yards by Crowell. Apparently, he is one of only two players in the NFL this year, running backs with more than 350 yards rushing and five touchdowns. Uh, That is an amazing stat for a guy who didn't do much uh, for Cleveland, and he comes to the Jets, and look what he's done in five games. Well, I mean, a lot of that just came all last week. (laughs) So let's just just take the breaks a little bit. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, at least two-thirds of that goal came last week. Uh, But, you know, with Crowell, he's – a lot like a lot of jet running backs in recent years, whether it be Chris Johnson or, um, you know, even Palinaways and uh, you know Chris Ivory, they're, they're they're these nice backs that can give you every once in a while a hundred yard day, but a lot of the other times they'll give you what they what he what we saw in week two and week three, where Crowell ran for like thirty five yards in each game. I mean, it doesn't give you a whole lot of a lot. So it's really catch as catch can with this kind of, kind of running back. Uh, I, I mean. Last week was brilliant. I mean, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, the Jet offensive line deserves a lot of credit for what they did to open up holes for Isaiah Quell and Bilal Powell. But, you know, am I going to sit here and put him on my fantasy team and say, oh, man, i got to have Crowell this week? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> not any, not any <laughs> chance. All right. But anyway, Rick, you know, the one thing I think this Colts defense has proven, though, is that they have been able to stop the running game uh, you know, successfully at the moment. You know, we don't. We'll see what happens against the Jets on Sunday. But you know, at the moment, the uh, the Indianapolis defense has not allowed a hundred yards rushing against them. So this can be a big, big game for the Jets running backs for both Crowell and Bilal Powell if they're going to try to at least get a, a good chunk yardage run. If they whether they get a touchdown or not. You know, this is going to be a big challenge for them 
for the running game if they can break through. And that's a little uncharacteristic of Colts' defenses that over the years, even going back to the Peyton Manning era, they were known as finesse pass-rushing defenses with, you know, the Dwight Freenies of the world that were speed rushers getting on the edge. And, frankly, teams, the game plan was to be physical with the line of scrimmage, knock a lot of those lighter pass rushers off the ball, and to just wear them out with the running game. We saw that, of course, in the Deflategate game where the Patriots just ran all over the Colts. It wasn't Tom Brady in the passing attack. It was a ground-and-pound uh, attack that just basically the Colts had were trying to stop a downhill train. Of course, had no success doing that whatsoever. So I think it's a bit of a surprise across the league as well that the Colts are, have been this stout against the run. And, you know, that's the one thing if you're a Jet fan that scares you is if the Jets fall behind early, they've had a propensity for – abandoning the running game, you know, putting Sam Darnold in these difficult third and long situations. I mean, just look at that Jacksonville Jaguar game where they, they had absolutely no – I think they had 37 yards rushing for the afternoon. And even in that second half, I'd be, I'd be shocked if they had more than five to six carries in that second half. So, uh, you know, if you're Jeremy Bates, look, if the Jets fall behind early, it's a seven-point deficit, even a, a double-digit deficit – you would just hope that they wouldn't abandon the running game immediately and that you have a, such a home run hitter in Isaiah Crowell that I don't think anybody expected he was going to have that type of game. But any given play, he can take the ball and rush it off for 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 yards, and you have to at least hold that hope that if you catch a defense, catch a defense in the wrong formation, some guy's not lined up properly, that those plays can happen if they just keep feeding him and give him the ability to make some plays. So – if you're the Jets, you want to stay balanced offensively, but you do have to have some respect for that Colts defensive front that has been uncharacteristically great at defending the run this year. And, Michael, finally, yeah, have, uh, just – yeah, go ahead. And, yeah, I, I want to get this in because I know we've got a minute, but this is a very important game, not just from the standpoint of being a win or loss, but this is, the Jets will be honoring their, their Super Bowl team. This is the 50th anniversary of the Jets' Uh, Super Bowl three win over the Colts, of course, 1968. So uh, the Jets will be wearing gray face masks for the game. And when we think about the Jets, of course, you think about 50 years, and you think about you know all the, the pain and suffering that the Jet fan has gone through. It's kind of like what a Yankee fan has gone through the last 10 years. But, uh, you know, it's been a lot of pain and suffering. But for one day, anyway, the Jets can look back in, uh, nicely on that Super Bowl win. Absolutely. Gentlemen, thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, and finally, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the New York Jets will be on at 1 o'clock this Sunday afternoon on WCBS Channel 2 in New York City and within the tri-state area. So that'll do it for the Jets podcast preview show here on 247sports.com. The New York Jets will be hosting the Indianapolis Colts for this big, big matchup. Thank you very much for Rick Lachlan and for Michael Cohen. I'm your host, Daniel. Go Red Sox, this, has been the Jets. this has been the Jets podcast preview show on 247sports.com through blogtalkradio.com. We will talk to you on Monday afternoon. Bye-bye for now. Thank you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.